0: This episode features themes surrounding culture, gender equality, and gender-based violence. Some listeners may find this content distressing. Listener's discretion is advised.
1: While it is an international issue, we have to sort of fight it locally.
0: So today we speak to Dr. Astrid Perry, Astrid Perry holds a PhD in Sociology and is currently manager Strategic Policy at Settlement Services International, a leading not-for-profit organisation providing a range of services in the areas of humanitarian settlement, accommodation, asylum seeker assistance, foster care and disability support. Astrid's work experience spends over 30 years in leadership, management and multicultural work, evident in both government and non-government sectors. She has held senior leadership and advisory positions with a focus on capacity building, quality service delivery and improving capability to respond to multicultural communities. Now it's time to talk gender-based violence through a cultural lens.
2: Hi Astrid, Um, thank you for joining us on Challenging Taboo. The first question that I'd like to ask is what services does SSI aim to provide
1: in relation to gender-based violence? That's an interesting question. So overall we work um, predominantly with newcomers, uh, with migrants and refugees uh, and people from culturally diverse backgrounds. Um, But in terms of gender-based violence, we have a couple of major initiatives um, because we have a um, diversity inclusion team that also looks at LGBTIQ and the diversity of gender. And we have a women's strategic plan Uh, for the organisation and within that is um, safety and security for women. And so we have a domestic violence unit and um, uh, very small, just um, two part-time workers and myself, uh, but we do a lot of advocacy on domestic violence and culturally and linguistically diverse community. Uh, We have a small men's behaviour change project together with Relationships Australia we have uh, just newly received a grant to work um, around children, child protection with newly arrived fathers. And, um, and we are expecting a new grant around um, supporting peer-to-peer if there's a woman that's in a domestic violence situation. So they're kind of our major initiatives, yeah. Um,
0: could you just elaborate on what's, you kind of do in regards to the, um, I think you mentioned the fathers,
1: so the new coming fathers, like what's the aims of that? Um, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, we find that understanding around childhood and parenting are very different between cultures. And in Australia, we have also a certain view of how we view children and, for example, the importance of education or how they should uh, participate in activities or a whole lot of things, how we actually do schooling. Mm. Um, and so there can be mm. a huge difference between the newcomers and, uh, and what Australia does. Uh, the reason we're working with the fathers is because we have the Men's Behaviour Change Programme, and so we want to increase the work with men, and mm. men quite often don't attend um, you know, uh, support groups or counselling or information sessions. Uh, it's not necessarily their thing unless they have the encouragement um, specifically. So, and as we are doing orientation with newly arrived men and, and families, that gives us an opportunity to separate the women and the men and actually work around fathering uh, with with the men particularly because mm. it's also often the men that have the sort of authority and patriarchal sort of approach and that's mm. in many cultures, so we really need to work with the men in order to get change.
2: Yeah. Mm. How do you reckon these um, culturally-based, like, gender expectations particularly impact
1: adjustment to Australian society? Um uh yeah so so one of the things i guess you know you could sort of name it in a nutshell is the whole concept of gender equality which which isn't a concept in all cultures we in australia we have gender equality in the law and but not always in our practices but i mean we we're, we're getting there or we improving all the time or sometimes two steps forward, one step back. But, um, but we certainly formally have gender equality enshrined, and that's not necessarily the case in other, other cultures. And we now know that gender equality is a major driver of domestic violence. So the way you view the genders and whether, you know, women are equal or, or not influences whether there is uh, the possibility of domestic violence or not. Because it's all about control and power. So if the woman asserts her equal power or, you know, equal uh, sort of, uh, yeah, either power or beliefs or whatever, then, you know, some men can't handle that because they don't, deep down, don't believe that women are equal. You know what I mean? mm so, uh, so that's that's a major difference. And so, in terms of different cultures, it depends. It depends where a culture is in terms of that sort of patriarchal thinking. Sorry, would you say the prevalence is different between each culture and migrant community? Oh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. inside that, and inside that culture, it can different too. You know, uh, every migrant community has a spread like we do. Yeah. Some are descendants of patriarchal thinking, and others are more open, you know, and embrace uh, more equality, embrace more how Australia does it. But it takes time for mm-hmm. the learning. That's the thing. And we do know that, you know, a number of the men have gotten in trouble pretty early after arrival because they did something that we don't accept here. So, um, so it, it would be helpful to get education earlier, get an understanding earlier.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. So I I guess um, that education also links to having maybe a cultural sensitivity and also kind of creating more safe environments and social services to adapt to that. So do you think that there are safe environments already established um, for trauma survivors or people experiencing domestic violence in
1: Australia and how effective are they? Ooh, that's a big question. So they do exist um, and the sort of trauma-informed thinking is also sort of a fairly recent thinking really. And they're not necessarily established as trauma centres as such, but trauma is, you know, a sensitive approach is uh, what we try to, you know, practice in all the fields. Um, but cultural sensitivity, that's where a lot of the issues are uh, because it's, you know, for some services it's quite hard to make that switch to thinking, okay, what's, how are they thinking and what's different and how can we actually work with that difference. Um, and so, you know, we find often that service providers are not kind of able to rally around that. Um, Mm. and of course they see safety as, as priority, which it is, but, um, to just say that you should just go to the police, that's your solution is not going to work for someone that's not prepared or too scared to go to the police. You know what I mean? So, you know, you have to work with the woman where she is at and, and there is many possibilities of the steps that she might want to take or is able to take. And they might not always be the steps that a service would recommend, but they might still get her in the right direction. So, um, you know, so there can be a big discrepancy of what the services would do and what the woman's prepared to do or what makes sense in her culture. Mm. And, and we find that services struggle with that.
0: Would you say it's an
1: issue of um, inclusiveness? Oh, I, it has it has to be more than just inclusiveness. It actually mm-hmm. has to be proactive, trying to understand what is happening for for that woman, and what her fears are, and what she thinks are the strategies that will work for her. Um, you know, inclusion is not necessarily understood like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people often go like, "Oh, yeah, we we work with anyone." anyone's welcome here, all those kind of things. And they might do a few things for people to feel welcome, but that doesn't mean that people feel that they're heard, that there is a trust relationship, that they feel that they're understood in the in terms of culture.
0: Yeah. So I guess it's kind of in a way putting it, acknowledging that culture matters by going a step forward to the actual context of the situation yeah, the individual,
1: and ex- exploring that with the individual in a sensitive way.
2: Yeah. Mm, so often um, survivors of gender-based violence report feeling a sense of shame, taboo, and embarrassment. Is this a response or a common experience to gender-based um, violence with the client base you work with?
1: Um. Well, yeah, absolutely, but it's not unique to migrants and refugees at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, domestic
1: yeah. violence—a hidden, um, a hidden sort of social situation that, um, you know, most families don't owe up to it till somebody takes a step and says this mm. is enough and seeks help. But even mm. then, so you find that in the domestic violence services, particularly that you know, there's a very, very high level of privacy, um, and One element, I guess, is stigma, but the major element is safety, of course, um, because you put somebody at risk if it slips out that they're using a domestic violence service. Mm. That's why we don't, you know, domestic violence services pamphlets and all that are very risky. You don't let them laying around at home um, because if he finds them, then there will be questions and there will be potential repercussions. For example, so um, so yes, yeah, so it's a sort of a hidden thing that that you know has a stigma in all cultures.
2: Mm. Yeah. So just touching on that idea that you mentioned, um, it's not specifically unique to migrant and refugee commu- communities. Does that really go back to the idea of the UN Sustainable Development Goal five, gender equality, and that? gender-based violence is a international global issue,
1: if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely an international um, issue, no question about it, in all yeah. societies at the moment because most of our societies, there might be one or two matriarchal ones, but most of our societies are patriarchal and, and um, have a sense that, you know, the the mail is the main order of the day sort of thing, um, and that's not unique um, to migrants and refugees. Having said that, Australia actually has a high level of domestic violence, and there could be all sorts of other reasons around, around that. Um, but, um, yeah, it is, while it is an international issue, we have to sort of fight it locally, I mm. think, um, and we certainly measure gender equality. There's a particular survey uh, that measures attitudes to gender equality, and and we do know that our migrant refugees have uh, lower scores in terms of a number of gender equality sort of dimensions uh, than, than Australia as a whole, which means they're holding stronger, stronger patri- patriarchal values but it changes between every culture, you know.
0: So how would you challenge or um, break down the barriers of these patriarchal ideas according to someone's culture in a sensitive, culturally appropriate way?
1: Oh, that's a very long process. And and really the, the major point to start would be to work with leaders that they respect. Mm. Uh, so that they role model the difference, but you know, number of you know some of the leaders wouldn't go there themselves because they would be seen as as what are you doing? This is not our culture. So you know, there, so there's ongoing censoring between the people. So mm. you really have to create a groundswell. At very different levels so some will be the leaders or another level would be the women themselves because they need to gain that understanding Um, and then and then of course broader with the community you might work um, you know in smaller sessions or in campaigns through the ethnic radio you might use interviews you know all sorts of things and And these days you'd also look at where their own country is at because everybody is so closely networked. And and sometimes we experience it that their own country has moved on and has opened up towards gender equality much more than the people here. So it's always good to be able to show that. So to make people rethink here also, yeah, to Mm. think that it could be different, yeah.
2: And mm. um, particularly with that last point that you, yeah. you mentioned um the country that people have come from have might have moved on and have been a bit more progressive in terms of their attitudes and views to towards gender-based violence however the people yeah. who have moved here they're still in an old frame of mind how would
1: you target that specifically well we would yeah we would build it into our strategies i guess Uh, Say say if we did group sessions with the women, we would talk about what it looked like in their own country. Because we'd always have uh, speakers that speak their language and are from that country, so we would do it in language. So say we did an interview on SBS, um, then we would let that flow in. I would make sure that the interviewer asks a question around that, how it is being viewed broadly, how is it being viewed in Nepal or whatever it is, Um, and then we would be able to let that flow in so that people sort of understand that. Um, And, and of course, sometimes you are in a meeting or in a group where the people say, oh, what they're doing overseas is terrible now, you know, Uh, but, but with other people it is like, oh, right, so they're, they're moving on to, Oh, they now have this or they now have that. So, you know, so it sort of comes from that. From that, um, but we also would, of course, talk about uh, what's positive about uh, empowering women and girls and w- how it might enrich their lives and and so on. So, so yeah, there's many different angles. It depends where they are at. Again, is you know, there what, um,
0: many? Early intervention strategies and measures that you guys work with to um, create this change.
1: Yeah, there's not enough because we don't have the funding for it, basically. Mm. But yeah. the early, so there's prevention, then there's early intervention, then there is intervention. So I guess I guess it's the prevention. So the gender equality sort of lens issues they fit into the prevention stream. And the right. government has allocated extra funding for sort of prevention activities because that's a problem, that they, there is um, not enough funding in that mm. area. And, and it's a long, you know, change comes slowly. And, um, and so it ne- kind of needs to have long-term investment, uh, mm. which is to get. And, of course, for our communities we have to, work at those different kind of levels, while the Australian community works more at the sort of law level and, you know, socially not accepted level, um, it takes longer in the ethnic communities to sort of create that change because they're, they're, you know, they're wedded to it because they also are emotionally and culturally wedded to it in a different way. So when you're a migrant, it's quite hard to move away from your culture because that's your childhood, you know, that's your first love sort of thing. And um and it's quite difficult to let some of that go. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely true. Um just a question, in regards to the complexities with dealing, um not dealing, sorry, that's an inappropriate word, with working with um different communities. Um there's so many different levels, spirituality, religion, um, systematic beliefs. How do you navigate um all of those different elements to create the change of perception and in regards to gender based violence?
1: Yeah. Lots of conversations. Right. Basically. Yeah you know, with different people, different influences. And, look, some you just have to go, like, he is never going to change. He's never going to understand and he's never going to support it. So mm-hmm. you're, waste, you're wasting your breath. So you you work with those that are more open-minded and are happy to think through things a bit more. Um, and And you try to create a groundswell with them, And sometimes we do things like kitchen table conversations, like with small groups Mm -hmm. that then go out and do the same thing with another group, like their friends' group. So you give people tools to have these kind of conversations. And they might have the conversation slowly with their own girls or, you know, they might say, what's happening at school? Do you think you get enough, you know, a go or do do the boys always – you know, talk overview or talk, um, you know, talk more in class and all, you know, so they, you you look for creating conversations among the community, inside the families, among, if you're lucky, among the religion, if the religious Mm -hmm. leaders are open. I mean, one problem we have is that we don't have enough data, so we don't necessarily know which communities might be more affected than others. And sometimes that's good leverage too. When you can say, "Look, we notice in your community there is quite a high level of incidences of reporting to the to DV around domestic violence, for example." Um, and then we, the leaders, they don't necessarily want to be uh, perceived as a community that's not doing the right thing. So yeah. sometimes that can be also a lever that they that of so particularly the church or and whatever might say, hang on a minute, you know, we, our community is getting a bad reputation. We need to do something about this, you know. Yeah. So, so that can happen as well. So you, you look for any of those signs where there seems to be a little bit of openness occurring mm. and you work, that, you work with that crack to try to sort of infiltrate, yeah. And that's why it's a long, long, long slog. You know, but I mean, you know, it's probably at least 30 years or Mm. since the hippie time that we're working at women's equality and still takes, you know, still not there really.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a
0: long process. (laughs) Many conversations, as you highlighted.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah.
2: Um, In saying that, um, that it's a, a long process, is there one particular change that you would like to see? Um, in this area?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would like to see um, domestic violence uh, type of focus in multicultural services. It's desperately needed because uh, our people, the migrants and refugees, they come to multicultural services. That's where they trust. That's where they know they're going to be understood. That's where they know we will be sensitive to uh, their culture. And also it's often the place their perpetrator is happy for them to go because they're thinking they're going there for other issues, you know. So it's an easy place to say I'm going to the Migrant Resource Centre because he'll think, yeah, yeah, you go, ask them about housing when you're there and whatever. So, you know, there's a legitimacy to multicultural services that domestic violence services don't have uh, in our communities and particularly because of the stigma. So what I really would like to see is funding for multicultural services to be able to collaborate with domestic violence services.
0: Right. So um, would you say a key, part, a key um, strategy is partnership with um, multiple communities? And Yes,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But to have the funding to be able to do that uh, yeah. for a targeted... Like we have partnerships with them already, but but not in a way that you can just bring up domestic violence.
0: Yeah, yeah. Does this, um, does the lack of resources um, create, um, it obviously does create massive barriers, um, but what kind of actual limitations are you seeing with this lack of funding and resources?
1: Oh, I think. Yeah, that's right. Well, people feel fall through the cracks mm-hmm. and women might never disclose again because they didn't get the right sort of help um, and they might also feel quite helpless thinking this, you know, you know, this is never going to work because they can't help me. So I think that, that's a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not getting the right support at the right time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and not having that support just prolongs the issue, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. And it's, it can be dangerous, dangerous to her and the children. Well, I think my key message is, um, you know, do go and talk to someone if you are affected by domestic violence. And for those who are the recipient of someone that's disclosing domestic violence or conflict in the family or discomfort uh, in their family, be open and, and uh, sort of, you know, engage with it, um, acknowledge that it must be hard, um, you know, suggest that there might be services. Um, you know, whatever you do, be supportive rather than shutting it down. Because sometimes people go, oh, he might just have a bad day or you know how he is unemployed now so it's hard for him to, all these kind of things. They sort of don't validate what the woman is saying Mm -hmm. um, or or the man in case if it's in a reverse situation. So it's really important to actually acknowledge and take uh, the disclosure seriously. That would be my key message. For, on the one hand seek support and those who are, you know, engaged for support to be really positive and affirmative.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think you raised some um, extremely important points there.
2: Thank you so much, Astrid, for your um, contribution to our discussion. We really appreciate it, particularly your input on collaboration, partnership, cultural sensitivity and creating an awareness.
1: So thank you. you're very welcome thank you. no problem thank you thank you